and welcome to the I Am Woman Project, where every week we have deep thought-provoking and interesting conversations with thought leaders, change instigators, rule breakers and creative minds who think differently, sparking creativity and inspiration. Our special guests on our show cover a variety of topics just for you, and they share their personal stories to inspire, motivate and empower you, our listener. The I Am Woman podcast is produced for your enjoyment and show notes are found at www.catherineplano.com. Come back often and feel free to add the podcast to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get into the show. People are always complimenting on my photos and they ask me, who is your photographer? And I tell them I don't have a photographer. I have access to the best photographers. That's the main reason why today's episode is brought to you by Verve Portraits. Let me share my experience with Verve. They genuinely want to know all about you. They are curious about your why, your purpose, to establish the right elements for a memorable experience. Verve really know how to capture your story and bring it to life that creates emotional connection. They carefully select the best photographers from around the world and their mission is to create unforgettable experiences that will be celebrated for a lifetime. So I highly recommend that you check them out and prepare yourself for your own unforgettable experience. It's now time to head over to verveportraits.com.au forward slash Catherine where you receive a discount as a special gift for our listeners. This week, we have another incredible woman for you, Carolyn Paul. Carolyn grew up in New England with an identical twin, a younger brother, and a menagerie of animals. And she goes on by sharing with us that during her adolescent years, she did some goofy things, like learned all the constellations in the Western Hemisphere on a regular basis, rode her banana seat bicycle for miles to read Archie comics at the nearest general store in her rural town. Then built a boat out of milk cartons and convinced others to join her on the river, then waded to shore with them when it broke up in the first rapid. Carolyn graduated from Stanford University, where she studied communications. At the time, she had a vague idea that perhaps she would become a documentary filmmaker, but instead, in 1989, she became a San Francisco firefighter. In 1999, she wrote about her 13 and a half year career in fighting fire. She explains how being in a fire made her happy and doing emergency medical work intrigued her, which all made her who she is today. Carolyn Paul is the author of many books. Her latest one is You Are Mighty. A Guide to Changing the World came out just as teens around the country were taking a stand against gun violence. 
This illustrated book aims for an even younger audience, teaching kids from 9 to 12 years old the tactics of civil engagement and protest. Carolyn in her free time flies an experimental plane, reads books and goes to the movies. Much of this is done around San Francisco, where she lives with her partner, the artist Wendy McNaughton. She also lives with two rescue cats, one rescue dog, an array of solar panels and countless unread back issues of The New Yorker. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. So today we have another super special guest for you, Caroline Paul, all the way from California. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Thanks. I'm really glad to be here. So we were actually comparing the difference in time. It's your Friday afternoon and my Saturday morning. And obviously the weather would be much nicer in California than Melbourne. Uh, it's actually really smoky here. We have had a lot of fires in the environs and it's really smoky. So, I mean, it's sunny but hazy. Yeah. And a little there's a little apocalyptic feeling going on over here in California right now. I know you had that in Australia a couple of years ago. So Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're, we're actually right in the middle of winter and it hasn't stopped uh, raining. It's amazing you can't hear it in the background, but it's pretty heavy today. All right. It's winter there. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, okay. it is. Absolutely. We're spanning. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. So I'm sitting here rugged up uh, like an Eskimo, of course, but hey, that's the way it goes. Uh, so what we do as we uh, start the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration her unique story. So what's your story? What inspired you to do what you do today? Well, I guess what I do today is I write. So I write books. Um, but specifically, recently, I've been writing books for girls uh, about empowerment. And there's no really one reason. I mean, I've, this was... I've written six books, so I didn't come upon I, all my other books were for adults. And uh, I was actually doing a reading and, and some and it was a reading about sort of outdoor mishaps. And I told a story, read a story that I'd written. And someone came up to me and said, you know, Caroline, you, your next book should be for girls uh, because they need to hear your adventures. And I had never considered writing for girls before. I All my books were for adults. And I realized that suddenly I saw the book in front of me because actually she was really right. Like I, I had known for a long time that girls don't embrace adventure like they should. In fact, we are sort of um, told not to be adventurous in our life. And I don't need, I don't just mean outdoor adventure. And I had actually come to that at a very, realized that at a very young age when I was a, when I was in college, I took a summer job as a whitewater rafter and I started, it was a very easy river. I know you, you have rafting over there and uh, whitewater sports in, in Australia, but it was an easy river. It was a two, three as they uh, call it. And, um, there was, it was about 50, 50 women to men. And, uh, I, but I noticed as I continued rafting and went on harder and harder rivers that the, ratio changed precipitously and there started to be hardly any women at all as you got to the really hard rivers. And it puzzled me because 
while rafting takes some fitness, it doesn't take brute strength. It takes skill. It takes grace. It takes, you know, having your wits about you, all things that women have and um, are equal to men in. And in fact, the women who were really good on these rivers were not big, you know, brutish women. They were just fit and just simply very skilled. And yet there weren't many. And I remember thinking then, like, that's weird. Like, why? Clearly, this isn't a, uh, an issue of strength. So this must be an issue of psychology and emotion. Like, why are we not doing the hard stuff? And so then when this woman came up to me and said, you need to write a book about adventure, I realized, yeah, yeah, we really do. Because we don't raise girls to take risks and get outside their comfort zones like we raise boys to do that. And it turns out that that's a really important thing to learn very early. Not so you can be like a kick-ass adventurer and um, raft a lot of rivers and I became a firefighter and I fly planes and that is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about getting outside like your own comfort zone. And so I start, I've started writing books to empower actually all kids, but girls especially. Well, I love that. And you know, I, as you are speaking, I'm thinking as I just watched a show on Netflix just the other night about uh, CrossFit (laughs) and some of those women. Wow. When you're talking about um, you know, being adventurous and going out there and just doing it to have fun. I mean, mind you, they do work really hard. Uh, that's pretty amazing. Um, so the other thing that was going through my mind as you were speaking, that would be a bit of a shift in mindset, writing for uh, young girls. Like, did you tap into your inner child and take you, and did it actually take you back to what it was like you, you growing up in your time? Um. Yeah, I mean, I did uh, remember that I had wanted to be uh, adventurous as a kid, but that there weren't a lot of role models for me uh, that were female. In fact, I didn't know really any adventurous, and I'm talking outdoor adventure, pretty much. And uh, the only person I'd heard of was Amelia Earhart. That's the only one that we talked about back then, back, back in the 70s. And and I, then I wrote this book for girls and I started to do research because I realized how important, of course, it is to have role models about of bravery and risk taking and courage and fun, you know, frankly. And I started to do research. And it turns out there is a ton of outdoor women who were around or at least available to me. They'd either been, you know, adventuring in the 1800s or the early 1900s or even during my time. But it's just we didn't talk about them as a culture. We didn't uh, we didn't hold them up like we did male adventurers. And that was really too bad because I could have used some role models. And I was lucky I had male role models, which is great. I mean, it's great to have male role models. But uh, but really having female role models would have made everything a lot easier. Mm. So when you talk about bravery, what were some of the things that you discovered in your research? Well, one thing um, that, well, when I was a firefighter, because I was a firefighter for San Francisco for almost 14 years back, I started in 1989 and I was the 15th woman and there were 1,500 men. And so I clearly, I was coming into a, a culture that Uh, first of all, didn't know what to make of me pretty much. And also didn't really believe I could do the job. And that in some way made sense because this was 1989. And at that time, we, I know the laws are different in Australia, but we didn't have 
uh, we had a law that passed in the beginning of the 1970s called Title IX that gave that mandated that girls get equal access to sports in schools. And suddenly you had a generation of girls that started to be way more physical. And I was of that generation. I was a young kid in 72 and I got to suddenly start playing sports that were, you know, equally funded as the men's, the boys. And so when I came into the fire department in 89, there were a lot of old guys who had never seen women be physical or, you know, take, be strong and, um, be active. And so I understood when I got in that they didn't think I was strong enough to do the job, even though I had been a collegiate rower and I had, um, I had done a lot of sports. I'd already flown, uh, been a whitewater rafter. I flew planes. So it didn't surprise me when they didn't believe that I could do the job physically. But what did surprise me is that it became clear that they didn't think I could do the job emotionally. They didn't think I was brave enough. And they weren't the only one. It wasn't just the firemen. It was women and men in everyday life because when they'd say what do you do for a living and I'd say I'm a firefighter there'd be this moment where they they sort of pause and then they'd say do you go into fires <laughs> and, and I would say oh no no I don't I, I stay that's way too dangerous I stay back for the fires and the men go and then the medical calls I go and there'd be this pause because they didn't quite believe me but they also couldn't imagine that a woman was going into fires. And finally I would just say, no, no, I, of course I go into fires. I'm a firefighter. And then they'd sort of stagger away. So nobody had this conception of this heroic sort of brave woman. And it didn't just, it wasn't just about our physical ability. In fact, it, I think it was mostly about the idea that we had not envisioned women to be brave. Mm. I love that. As you're talking about that, I'm thinking, wow, uh, uh, to do something like that does, to me, takes a lot of courage. I can't say that I would go out there and start fighting fires. But the one thing that really also stands out is the uh, psychological uh, safety. When you were talking about emotions, when you you actually were saying that it comes from a psychological p point of view, do you think that's also uh, I guess, driven by culture, driven by expectations, driven by, um, I guess, also men, you know, you're not strong enough to do something like that. Because I know in different roles here in and some of the, and I run some uh, women leadership and some of the roles here, there's just, you know, close your eyes. And we had actually did an exercise, uh, who do you picture being a, fire, a firefighter? And it, it, the amount of individual this is women just automatically visualized men because that's almost that um the culture the perception that we live in so well it's, it's even down to the words i mean yeah. here people say firemen all the time and i have to say that it really drives me crazy because words have power and i know they're picturing some mustached large you know white guy <laughs> and that is you know th that will keep happening if we don't change our words so it's really important to do that um, I think, you know, this all starts really young. I did a lot of research. It turns out that they did a study of um, parents um, overseeing their kids on a playground. And let's see, I hope I, I got to remember this study. I've, I've talked about it quite a bit. The researchers saw that both moms and dads 
were way more likely to warn their girl not to play on, it turned out it was a piece of equipment that was a fire pole-ish piece of equipment on the playground, ironically. Mm-hmm. But they, the researchers watched parents and they saw that their parents were more likely to warn the girls. And then if the girls still wanted to slide down that fire pole, the parents were more likely to assist them. Now with the boys, they encouraged the boys to play on that fire pole, even if the boys were scared. And they taught them how to use it on their own. So right away, and these kids were like six years old. Now right away, what we're messaging is girls are fragile and not up to um, difficult tasks and need assistance if they decide they want to do it. And boys, on the other hand, uh, have the capability to do it and should be go off and be able to do it on their own soon enough. And those are really powerful messages that begin super early. And in fact, when I, after I read that study, I, I'd already noticed my, um, some of my friends and specifically, I remember a friend of mine who her girl was, she had already told me that her girl was really, um, sort of a scaredy cat and could I hang out with her and be a good role model. And so I watched a little closely and saw that in fact, yeah, the, the, the little girl was a nervous kid, but it was really the parents who were nervous when she was outside. A lot of what they said to her was no, or be careful or don't. So right. And in fact, as these studies show, like we are cautioning our girls really, really young. And the message we're giving is don't take risks. Don't get outside your comfort zone. If you do ask for help, that, that is. And so as women, and I think you probably know this among um, your peers over there is that we now have a really hard time pushing outside our comfort zone, finding confidence in our own decisions. And um, this is applicable, not as a firefighter, not just as a rafter, not just as a pilot, but as a businesswoman, as just an, or as a person in a, a woman in a relationship or just moving through the world. Like we need to have confidence in ourselves and push outside our comfort zones to have a fulfilling life. And yet our messages have been counter to that for a very long time. And it's funny because parents um, have two reactions when I say that. First of all, they they mostly know this. They, they recognize that they caution their girls. But then they say to me, but I'm just protecting her. And I get that. Of course, we don't want our girls to be injured. And we do see the world as more dangerous for our girls. But what I say is you are not protecting her when you caution her. You are protecting her when you let her take risks. Because once she starts taking risks, she learns hazard assessment. She learns confidence in her own decisions. She's not looking to other people to tell her what to do, which often as you get into be, become a teen becomes an issue. And then even as a woman, I mean, a girl is way more vulnerable when you're always stopping her from doing something. You have to raise her like you do your boys, which is let them go out, take the risk, learn from that and become stronger and more confident as a result. 
As you're actually saying that, I was just thinking when you were saying that the age of six, you know, and between the age of six and seven, this is our imprinting phase. So if we're treating our girls to be fragile uh, and having that, you know, from a parenting programming point of view, uh, constantly protecting them and telling them to be careful, no wonder as we get uh, a little bit older, as we age, we lack the confidence as women. Right. I know. It starts Mm. so... And we don't, you know, these, we are not bad parents when we do this. No, we I... are obviously our, our hearts are in the right place. But um, I think when you, if you have a boy and a girl and you're, it's really interesting to notice how you, how you speak to, to them differently around the same situations. Mm, so true. So Carolyn, um, Caroline, sorry. Uh, how do you practice bravery? So for us women out there listening to this interview, uh, for women that have young girls as well, um, how does one practice bravery? Well, for, for your, for, yes, it's really important, first of all, to model bravery for your kids. So mm. if we're talking about kids. And so um, one thing that I think is, because bravery is really about, getting outside your comfort zone. It's not, you you know, your bravery is different from my bravery. I'm not, I never, I'm not saying, you know, I, I'll, I talk to people about my years as a paraglider, for instance. So I used to paraglide, which is basically jumping off cliffs with a, a wing of sorts. Wow. But, and I'm not, I'm not talking about that in order to get more paragliders out there. I'm talking about that to show that I'm pushing my comfort zone. That's not a lot of people's comfort zone. And I totally get it. And, you know, I have places where I need to push that are not in the outdoors. So what I say to people is, look, what we have to start doing is exercises that I call, and that's actually not my word. This is from an organization called Girls Leadership here. It's called micro bravery. And it's when you practice small acts of bravery. So so for instance, if you're um, afraid of heights, you would, I mean, if you're a kid afraid of heights, this is an example I like to use, like you would climb a tree or you'd look out the window. Um, sorry, I think I have, uh, sorry, are you hearing that beep? That's oh, okay. No, it's fine. I'm so sorry. I don't know. I'm, no, I'm not good enough to be able to turn all that stuff off. It's cool. Um, so micro bravery. Start small, like start looking out a window on the second floor, walk across a bridge, look over it, start climbing a tree, and then, you know, incrementally start pushing your comfort zone in that area. It doesn't have to be the outdoors, obviously. If it's about, you know, speaking up for yourself you or being more social, you know, make a vow to yourself to say hi to one stranger a day and, you know, uh, speak up in a meeting. I mean, there's all these st- micro-bravery steps you can take. And the cool thing about it is that it's not just about getting better in this one area, like being more social. Whenever you push yourself outside your comfort zone, you begin to understand yourself better because, oh, here's another really interesting thing that um, as when I started to realize this was true, just really blew me away. Fear and excitement feel really similar, right? It's like you have the adrenaline and the high heart rate and the sweat and women tend to, to view uh, any sort of um, feelings of uh, excitement as fear. They confuse them. Or they can feel fear and excitement and not be able to parse out 
like exactly what this situation, because obviously if we're overwhelmingly afraid, maybe it's not a good situation to be in. I mean, I'm not saying that fear is bad. Fear is important, but it's really important to know the difference between fear and excitement because when you get outside your comfort zone, it's exciting too. So in order to make these decisions, you have to really understand yourself better. So the more you practice bravery, just random acts of bravery, the more you get to know yourself around pushing outside your comfort zone. And you start to open up your life because you try new things and you learn how to assess like what's going to be really good for you and what is not. Oh, I love those micro uh, bravery, the small acts. And it makes me think of there's a movie, We Bought a Zoo, and there was, uh, and I got one piece uh, out of that movie that I really resonated with was 20 Seconds of Courage. So when you want to do something or ask for something, it's just give yourself that 20 seconds. So what it does, it creates that sense of urgency. And you just look at your watch, you go, okay, Catherine, you have 20 seconds, just do it. I love that. Hold it. So what? T- tell me again, this is a, is a... It's actually a movie, We Bought a Zoo, uh, with Matt Damon. And he talks about, so he, he see, he's just walking down the street, sees this beautiful woman sitting in a restaurant, and he looks up to her. And he just wanted, he had this urge to go up to her. And, uh, and that's where the 20 seconds of courage, I would just, I'm going to give myself 20 seconds of courage to walk in there and tell her exactly how I feel. I love that. I, I'm going to have to, I'll have to watch that movie. I know what you're talking about. That's yeah. great. The other thing, Caroline, I'm thinking like you are very adventurous, right? And you're very good at getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Uh, where did that come from? You know, um, it's funny. My mom, when we were growing up, uh, well, both my parents really, but they want us to try everything. So we grew up in the country and we had to – um, you know, we sledded, we biked, we, uh, skied and my, and we played an instrument, not that we were going to be good. We went to church, not because my parents were religious, but they wanted us to try everything. And then once we had tried it, we could say no to it if, as we got a little older and it didn't suit us. But I think that's what my mom wasn't trying to make us brave or, um, teach us confidence per se. Those weren't really words. I don't think that was jargon. That was part of parenting growing up back then. I don't know. Maybe it was, but didn't seem to be. And she just wanted us to have a a more exciting childhood than she had because her mother had been quite fearful and basically didn't think girls could do much at all. Very, you know, traditional back in the forties and thirties. So she wanted us to have a, a more exciting childhood. It was that simple. So I think that's where, where it took root. Mm, that's awesome. So you obviously didn't have that kind of upbringing where you can't do this. You actually encouraged you to try out anything. Yeah, it's funny. My father was very conservative, um, he, conservative politically and socially. He came from the Midwest, which is traditionally quite a conservative place. But for some reason, he just, I'm a twin. I'm an identical twin. Uh, so I don't know, maybe I don't, I'm not exactly sure. Maybe that had something to do with it. We, we just had a lot of free reign and, and, uh, we weren't really told that we couldn't do it. Mm, 
Okay. There, there is one thing that I did want to uh, sort of go back to is when you were talking about fear. Uh, I have heard that the, when fear and excitement releases the same brain chemicals or hormones, and it's basically it's it's uh, from a quantum physics point of view, it's the as the observer, it's the meaning we give what's taking shape at that very instant. So it's once again, mm. if it's that. Um, that your heart pumping, it's instead of saying, I'm, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, it could, you could actually turn that around and say, actually, I'm really excited, I'm excited, and then jumping up and down as if you are fearless. So that really resonated with me. Yes, and actually um, boys are taught to interpret things as exciting, and, and I think girls are taught to interpret things as scary. That's and again, this is very, it's a subtle you know, constant um, inculcation that happens really, really early. So are you saying that we teach our girls to be afraid? Yes. And we teach our girls to be afraid because we think it protects them. Part of it is unconscious, but part of it is very, very conscious. We want them to be scared so they're careful. And so, you know, we want them to be scared because, again, we think that the world is more dangerous for them. And maybe that is true, but what I say again, is that that is not protecting them. That is actually making them more vulnerable. You will protect your girl by making her uh, understand how to push outside her comfort zone. Because when you start young doing that, by the time they're teenagers, when they really start doing the weird pushing outside their comfort zone stuff, that's also wrapped up with unself-confidence, they start doing, you know, stuff that's not good for them and get themselves into dangerous situations. So, you start young giving a, a girl that confidence because that's what happens. It's, it's, I mean, what all the things we do for boys at that age, I mean, let me, I'll temper that because I think that we, and I haven't done a lot of research in this, so I'm, I'm not, um, and people have said, you know, there's a bad flip side to this, you know, hyper bravery, hyper pushing outside your comfort zone stuff, the pressure to do that on boys can be very destructive too. And yes, of course, there's a dark side. Yes, but I'm not, I think that's not an argument not to do this for girls. It's simply an argument to do it in a way, understanding that the end goal is confidence and um, leadership skills and hazard assessment skills and all that. Mm, That's really interesting. Caroline, is it fair to say that you, being so adventurous, and always pushing pushing the boundaries that you live a fearless life. You know, I don't live fear. No, because you can't really be brave unless you're. There's a fear there. I mean, yes. otherwise you're simply um, neutral. It's value neutral, really. Uh, I don't lead a fearless life, um, and so, and I think. Uh, that that's not healthy to be fearless at all. And, and they actually have, um, they, they, I remember listening to a podcast on a woman who actually did not have fear. So she, I don't know if you've heard this one. It's, and she got herself, herself in dangerous situ, in bad situations. Like she got mugged a bunch of times, but, but she wasn't scared even during the whole process, oh, wow. but she didn't have the instincts to, you know, veer away from the bad situation. Uh, it's a lot like people who physically don't feel pain. You know, there are people who actually physically don't feel pain. And so they simply put their hand on the stove and their hand still burns. Yeah. They simply don't feel it. So 
you know, it's important not to be fearless, but what it's, it's, it's important to be brave too. Mm -hmm. So it's about valuing bravery. It's not about, see, I, here's the other thing is that I think in our vocabulary as women, fear is too much of the touchstone. So people always want to veer towards talking about being fearful or scared. And I always say, "Mm, I want to push the word, the wordage to bravery. Let's talk about, let's use that vocabulary because then we're in that paradigm of just valuing bravery, which is what boys do, boys Mm -hmm. and men. And I have worked with many, many very, very brave men, uh, you know, and full of integrity and honor and all those noble, you know, noble acts. That's what men are taught at a very young age. So you're saying that, and I agree with what you're saying, uh, that we cannot experience bravery without fear. So we need to understand what fear is all about to there be able, I see as fear is almost like a bridge to walk across to the, you know, obviously when you walk through fear, you have the, you know, courage, the bravery. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm actually saying I think we should understand bravery and then we will see fear as right. women because we, we just emphasize fear way too much. I mean, there's always, a, there's always the, um, you know, the flip side to everything. So uh, when there's bravery, there's obviously fear involved. And because, again, you're not going to be brave unless you are trying to overcome something. Yeah. I got you. Yes, yeah. you just focus yeah. on the bravery, not so much. Mm-hmm. I have to. It's okay to feel fear. It's okay to be shaking my boots right now because if I just keep pushing forward, I will feel brave. It's not about that. It's actually focusing on the bravery and understanding yeah. what it took you to get there. Yeah, I mean, I think just changing our vocabulary because I think watch watch after our conversation and maybe for your listeners too, like how often young girls – and women say, I'm scared. I'm too scared. And it's thrown out there with things like fi- fixing a, a tire on your car or um, picking up an insect. And I, and I just want to challenge and say, are you sure fear is the word here? Because I don't think it mm. is. You might be nervous. You might be anxious. Uh, you might be disgusted. You don't want to you know, do it. But fear really, uh, uh, fear because fear is a very strong word, yep. and yet we bandy it about as if, and so we're not really looking closely. We're sort of mushing it around. It's become a, and it, it doesn't serve us. It doesn't serve us to constant to be. And here's the thing: is that when we say we're scared as girls or women, we know someone is going to step in and do whatever it is, and it's it's often obviously men and Mm -hmm. that's stressful for men. And I see, I've seen this before where a woman will, will, won't want to do something. So the man steps up and frankly, he doesn't know what he's doing, but he's been taught. And I really admire this to simply, um, step up anyway and try to deal. And we need to learn, we need to learn from that because it's too much stress on them for one. Why are we making our friends and partners do that and secondly it's not helping us so that that's what I'm saying I'm saying um let's get that paradigm let's shift the paradigm to one of pushing always towards bravery 
Wow, when you're uh, you were actually you had me thinking because uh, I don't like spiders, but is it that I'm like, fearful <laughs> of spiders? No, they're just ugly, really. When I think about it, but it's once again it goes back to the depending on the label you use. It's what you're. It's the lens you'll be. You'll be. Uh, you know, seeing whatever it's spider or changing a tire. And I know even for myself, when I split up, I was a, a mum, a single mum for eleven years, and I know I was very scared because I had a man for fourteen years, and all of a sudden I had no one. Um, mm. I had to be the man of the house kind of thing, and that was really really scary. I slept with a hammer underneath my bed. <laughs> Isn't that bizarre? Mm-hmm. So yeah. as you're 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 speaking about. The, you know, we're scared. I actually took me back to that. I used to always be scared because there was no one, you know, big and strong around me to protect me. I had to do it all on my own with my little boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And, and let me say that there are, I mean, I don't want to downplay the fact that there aren't real fears. I just am asking women because I think men have already done this because they understand that they can't say I'm scared with hardly ever. So when they say it, they really mean it. Mm. Um, and often they feel it and won't even say it. And, you know, that there's issues with that. But again, for women, we really need to, to really start understanding the feeling of fear because it's valuable. But don't cry wolf over it. And it, it doesn't help you. And it really hurts you in your life. And you're holding your own self back from so many great opportunities because you're just willing to say, I'm scared, which means it's bad, which means I'm not going to do it, which means someone else probably will. And then now you haven't, now your life is that much less enriched. Mm, So true. So, so true. So Caroline, what advice would you give your younger self? Um, (laughs) uh, I, I don't, I don't know, actually. I don't, I don't, I'm not a big advice. Oh, well, I've just like, <laughs> I can't say I'm not a big advice person because I've spent this whole time sort of doling out advice, but. Um, I see that sharing your wisdom, actually. It was wonderful. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I don't know. Give me another question. Okay. So, uh, so along your journey, what has been one of the greatest lessons learned thus far? Um, you know, I mean, I think we learn, I think, I don't, I don't think I can say there's one great lesson, uh, except I will say something that, that is important, has always been important to me as an adult that I did not learn as a kid or even, even as a young adult, which is that I keep my word Mm. and I value my word because it makes me reliable um, as a friend and as a partner and to myself. Mm. And I even value my word. Like I'm, I'm on time, things like that, which clearly you are too. Mm. Um, because, uh, being on time is a funny thing. Like people are often late and don't seem to mat seem to think it matters, but in fact, it's sort of a a little, it's disrespectful to the other person. And also you've broken your word. And I know that sounds small and sometimes people make fun of me, but it actually reverberates, I think, in your life when you have the integrity about even keeping an appointment and yeah. being on time, like sort of rever- reverberates. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I think that really uh, 
links in with trust. You know, when you say when you say something, people will trust your word because you are on time and because you stand by what you say. So absolutely. Yeah, and as a writer, I believe in words like again, fireman. I don't like it. It just it it excludes me. Yeah, uh, and yet I was a firefighter, one of the busiest rigs in the country for 14 years. So, and, and so words matter. Yeah. Absolutely. So Caroline, as we wrap up the show, we always love to ask our woman of inspiration, pick one word that best describes her personal brand. What would be that one word for you? Well, the word I think I would like is, uh, unruly, but I'm not unruly in all areas at all. In fact, I'm (laughs) My partner is very annoyed at me often because I can be quite regimented. Yeah. So I would like to be more unruly. Yeah. Uh, but I, so I, that's my aspirational word. Oh, I love it. Absolutely love it. And the other thing that we do, we love to ask our woman of inspiration to leave three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners. So they could be like three practical exercises or three tips for our listeners. So what would be those three shiny golden nuggets that you would like to leave for our listeners? Well, practice bravery uh, for sure. And that would be micro bravery. Um, uh, Be on time. And uh, be kind to animals. Oh, I love that one. (laughs) I love be kind to animals. I love all of them. Thank you so much. Caroline, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and uh, coming on the show. Uh, Where would be the best place for our listeners to find you? Um, I am easily found on the internet, it seems. I'm not that great at social media, but I am at uh, carolinepaul.com. Com, and my email is on there. My contact information is on there. And I, even my books are all on there. Yeah. So I highly, <laughs> and a small bio. Oh, I was going to say for our listeners, highly recommend check out Caroline's books. They're amazing. I love them. And the illustrations too. They are wonderful. Um, and yeah, very, very colorful. So you are mighty, uh, the gutsy girl. And like you said, you've got quite a few, obviously you like cats too. Oh, you know, actually that's one of my favorite books of my books. (laughs) Like I, that was written, that was illustrated by my partner, uh, who's an amazing illustrator that I'm sure a lot of your listeners know of, because she's quite, um, she's quite famous around the world. (laughs) Uh, and, and if you don't know, you should be, you should follow her Instagram because she's amazing. She's Wendy Mack on Instagram. And, uh, so yeah. And so yes, lost cat, a true story of love, desperation and GPS technology is one of my favorite books that I wrote. (laughs) Wow. What a combination. Yeah. (laughs) Cats. Yeah. Fire cats. Uh, Girls, bravery, yeah, it's an eclectic mix of books. I love it. That's what it makes you so – I think you've got an amazing, colourful personality. It's very intriguing to hear your story. So, Unruly, hopefully. Sorry? And unruly, yes. Yes. (laughs) I love the fact that you shared everything with us. Thank you so much for your time, your energy, and I'm sure our listeners will reach out. You are just an amazing woman. Thank you, Catherine, so much. And hello, hello to Australia. Yeah, When are you coming to Australia? Oh, I love your country. I've been once. I did a river there many years ago. I did a first descent on a river, and I just 
I hung out with many, well, really your male raft guides and they were amazing. Love them. Oh, beautiful. Well, we yeah. hope to see you uh, down under soon. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Bye. That brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you enjoyed the show as it is my mission to reach out and inspire as many individuals like you. And one of the best ways to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes. It's easy and it only takes about 10 seconds. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift. Where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Catherine Plano. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Until next week, please take care of yourself.